says tech can't be human? But if you're a college student, if you are someone just out there, you're looking to understand what's happening in the field, join one of the myriad of cybersecurity nonprofit organizations and learn about what security really is. Welcome to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. Hey everyone, it's me, Simone Biles. You might be wondering why you're hearing my voice on a cybersecurity podcast ad. Well, it's because I'm partnering with Axonius. Whether you're a gymnast like me, or an IT or security pro, complexity is inevitable. And I've learned that the key to success is focusing on what you can control. Go check out my video at axonius.com Simone. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com slash S-I-M-O-N-E. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. And this time with a guest that we probably should have had on a year, two years ago. But we have them here today. Our guest this episode is Renee Small. Renee is a cybersecurity super recruiter, talent and acquisition recruitment expert. She's also an author who has authored two books, one, Magnetic Hiring, and also recently, Develop Your Cybersecurity Path, How to Break Into Cybersecurity at Any Level. Renee, always a pleasure to speak to you and welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to finally be here with <laughs> you, too. <laughs> <laughs> we must break LinkedIn. Yes. I know. I know. We did a lot of things together. We made some content. We broke LinkedIn. You've done a lot, right? You're a recruiter extraordinaire, author, content creator. But let's jump right into it, right? Because one of the big things in cybersecurity is recruitment. What is the role of a recruiter from your perspective? So there are different recruiters and the roles are different depending on the type of recruiter that a person is. So I used to work in a corporation and most of the corporations that I worked in were, most of them were Fortune 100. And in those organizations, recruiters are a part of a huge HR organization, and they are there to do talent acquisition, sometimes internal movement or what's called internal mobility, sometimes there to focus on early career talent. So going to universities, colleges, and helping recruit, and that's usually university recruiting. Sometimes it is experience higher recruiting, meaning recruiting folks who are experienced, just what it says, like more than a couple of years. So not in college, not straight out of college, but people who are moving around. And then there's executive level recruiting. And the purpose of the recruiter in that organization is to find talent and bring talent specifically to that org. And then in smaller companies, it's somewhat similar maybe not as many resources, but sometimes that one recruiter is doing everything. They're the university person, they're the mid-career, they're the executive recruiter. They may be doing a few different things. Then there's a recruitment, which is what I'm in now, which is agency recruiting. And when you're an agency recruiter, you're more like a headhunter. 
And so you're looking for talent for potentially multiple different clients. So instead of being one person that's inside of one organization, you and your team are working with multiple organizations and trying to bring talent into one or many of those various organizations. So the role really is to be, I call it like a matchmaker. So seeing who out there is a great fit for which roles and which companies and which culture or which company culture. And that's what makes it, for me, a lot of fun. So you also have your own company. And I know that you help many different people find the right talent. And sometimes I think that word is almost misconstrued. It's misunderstood. Talent and cybersecurity. What exactly is that? Because I feel like there's talent from a technology perspective. There's a talent from maybe a communication perspective. But when you hear cybersecurity talent, how would you explain that to a new customer or someone that just doesn't know how to hire yet? So the way I look at it is, and it goes back to the matchmaking piece, it's like you have a person brings multiple talents, skills, abilities, so many things with them. And when you're looking at cybersecurity and building cybersecurity teams, many leaders have in their mind, okay, this is what an ideal team for me looks like. These are the different skill sets I need. These are the problems I'm trying to solve. And these are the types of people, when I say people, meaning the types of skill sets that I would need to bring into my organization to make it run really effectively and efficiently and to solve these specific problems that I have. So when it comes to thinking about talent as a whole, it's really specifically in the cybersecurity space, it's what skills, and when I say skills, I mean the technical skills, which we always talk about, the certifications, all of that. And then the, what people are saying, soft skills or essential skills, I forget what other ways they're describing that, that we can bring together, like people that have like a combination of these various skills that are the right fit for a role. That's where talent comes to play. I think that's the best way to describe it. No, I think that's great. When you think about the personas, you think about the entire person, because it's not just, oh, I do threat hunting or, oh, I do vulnerability management. It's really like an amalgamation of someone's experiences, everything that they've done. We got to talk a little bit about what you have done, because one thing you are is a recruiter extraordinaire, but you also create content, right? You were one of the original people creating content. You were creating content even before Ron and I were creating content, at least for Hacker Valley. What has that particular journey been like? How has that changed the way you recruit folks? How has it changed the way you guide people? What has been some of the impact that has occurred in your life? I never look at myself as a content creator which is interesting because so many people now look at me as a content creator. (laughs) And Chris and I, we fell into this truly by accident. So I was trying to build my speaking skills and got some advice from a coach who said, ask yourself three questions or put some things out there and see what questions they would want answered and answer those questions. And so I started asking the community, what would you like to learn? And they told me and they shared 
I was very specific about in the non-technical arena. So what would you like to learn from my expertise, being in HR, being a recruiter, those types of things? I continuously heard from people saying they were struggling to break into cybersecurity, which was mind-boggling to me because I had heard about all the positions that were open. I experienced all the positions that were open as a recruiter and had no idea that there was this group of folks who were early career, entry-level, or transitioning into their first cybersecurity position, and they needed help. And so it was purely by accident. Put the question out there. They responded. I connected with Chris full on, and then the two of us started to answer those questions and bring people on. We really wanted to have people come on who were going through the process at the time. So we always think about people giving advice. And there was some very well-intentioned, bad advice that people were getting, specifically because you think about how if I'm a technologist or I come from like a sysadmin background, my trajectory was I was help desk, I was desktop engineer, I eventually became a sysadmin. And then from the sysadmin role, then I was able to segue into security then you're going to tell this other person who's brand new to the field the same thing. Oh, you have to go to help desk, you have to go to desktop, you have to move up these ladders and do all of these various things to get to security. And these people were just feeling dejected. And so we wanted to hear from folks who were actually had done it. So if you had been in security under five years, how did you break in? What did you do? And that's how this whole thing got started in terms of content. And then it's evolved. So we initially started with breaking into cyber. We focused only on people who had under five years cyber experience because we wanted to hear directly from the proverbial, um, air quoting, wanted to hear from the horse's mouth in terms of what specifically they had done to break into the industry. And then it evolved to bringing leaders on and other folks who were more seasoned to talk about other areas of talent and security and other recommendations of how people should break into security. And it's been a phenomenal experience in so many different ways. Number one, I've just grown my network to, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people at this point and more. I've just learned so much. Like every single person that comes on the podcast and the live stream, we learn so much from them, every single guest. And it doesn't matter if they have a blip of experience, like they just broke into security three months ago, or if they're super seasoned. And I think that's because to your point, I think, Chris, everyone brings a different perspective. So even if you have various CISOs, there are CISOs of large organizations, CISOs of small organizations, the different types of industries that they're in, different challenges that they're facing, the different ways their companies bring in talent, You have CISOs that can bring in more entry-level talent in bigger orgs. You have CISOs that can't bring in a ton in smaller orgs. There's just all of these like nuances and pieces to the puzzle. And people come from different backgrounds. And I love the diversity in terms of not only ethnicity, gender, and a little bit of neurodiversity, but also diversity of thought and diversity of just their upbringing. So you'll have two people who may look on the surface the same, let's say two African-American men who are about the same age, who work in the same orgs or whatever, but their backgrounds, one 
grew up you know, silver spoon. The other one grew up in a different environment or overseas or something like that. And so they have these different perspectives that I think is just amazing. And I've learned so much from the community by being a quote content creator. I guess I'll call myself a content creator. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I really love what you and Chris Fulon are doing because you almost get to tackle the problem from a few different angles. You get to tackle the problem from what are some of the technical bits and bites that I need to know? I feel like Chris is really skillful and talented there. And then you get to bring in the real world application of it. Like, how do you articulate the fact that you know these ideas? How do you articulate the fact that you're valuable and how do you get in front of the right people and I love the fact that you co-authored the book with Gary Hayslip because he is a sensational chief security officer that always has a fresh perspective, too. So you get to really melt all these things together and then give it to so many people on your podcast, on your LinkedIn lives. I'm sure that feels great. But when you look at being this content creator, what are some of the elements that you love most about it? And also, what are some of those elements that you find somewhat difficult? I guess I'll start with the difficult parts. Booking the guests. <laughs> that's always that's always a challenge. <laughs> because people are living lives and I am too. I have three kids that I'm hoping don't come down these stairs. We're in an industry where there's something happening all the time. So you have so many moving parts. So a person will say yes, they can come on and then they can't. So pivoting when it comes to that. And I guess another difficulty is kind of trying to keep it fresh. Even though I'm learning something new, we want to make sure that our audience is picking up something new every time and trying to not have constant similar stories or similar discussion happening every week. The counter to that is we encourage questions and interaction and feedback. And so we try to keep it as open as possible, like we'll kick off with a topic, but we definitely want to hear more from the audience as to what they're looking for. And because our podcast is called Breaking Into Cybersecurity, we tend to get a lot of people who want to learn about how to break in. We're almost like the college professor that teaches the same thing over and over <laughs> or any kind of trainer. And you, you're both trainers, so you get it. Like, you know, you teach the same thing over and over again. The things that I enjoy the most are meeting people because that's just who I am. If you ask my mom, she's like, oh, she made friends from, day, you know, always making a friend, always talking to somebody. I just love the nuances of people's lives. And so meeting new people is always interesting. They will be talking about something that I think most people will seem like it's not a big deal. And I was just dig into this one little thing. It's just fascinating. People's lives to me are just so fascinating. So learning about people and Outside of the whole technical component and the job component, that part of it is very, very enjoyable. It's like reading a new book every time I do a live stream or come on with content. The complexity of cloud infrastructure means every organization's security challenges are unique. Whether your challenge is threat hunting, policy management, cloud workload protection, or all of the above, Uptick's helps you quickly identify and eliminate observability gaps in your security program. That's Uptick's. Analytics for the modern attack surface, observability for the modern defender. Check out Uptick's by visiting Uptick's.com. That's U P 
tycs.com. Thank you, Uptix, for sponsoring this episode. I'm sure throughout your entire career, you've had a bundle of great experiences and stories. But when, let's say there was someone that was looking to get into recruitment, what are some of the most fulfilling moments that a recruiter can have? Is there that one story that stands out to you as like, I did that, or I helped make something happen? Is there something that really like pops off at the top of your head? Yeah, I had one person I was working at one of these financial services companies. Most of the companies I worked at internally was financial services. And there was a person who he tried to apply. He was on the help desk and he kept trying to get out of the help desk. And this is as an internal recruiter, you know, you have in some companies, one recruiter will handle internal applicants and external applicants. And in some companies, you have someone who's dedicated to just internal mobility. So in my case, I was working on roles and an internal person could apply and external people could apply. And this one person kept applying like over and over and over again. He got rejected so often. I sat with him and we were in the offices at the time and I asked him what he was looking for and ideally what kind of role did he want? Because I think he was at the point, he was just trying to get out of the help desk, like get me anything, (laughs) anything out of the help desk. And so I helped him and coached him and then did a little bit of persuasion on the other side. So when hiring managers would say, "Mm, I don't know about this person, I'm like, I think you should give him a shot, you know, and these are the reasons why. And so eventually he did get a role. And I want to say it took maybe six months or so of interviewing. And I mean, you would think that this person got a million dollars. Like he was just so excited. He bought me flowers. He gave me chocolate cake. Wow! (laughs) But it was so rewarding to help move this person. And again, getting off that help desk was just like, he's like, I need to, you know, he wanted to progress in his career. And so that was very rewarding. And that happened, gosh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. So that's one scenario. And then I have my mentee. I talk about him all the time. I met him probably 12 or 13 at least years ago, giving a career talk. So prior to getting into security, I was helping folks that had MBA. I was doing some career coaching with MBA students and met him giving an MBA talk. I think it was Black MBA in New York. Met him giving an MBA talk and I just loved his energy. Like he's just one of these awesome, and his energy is so positive. He's so upbeat, so outgoing. And he was looking for an internship. And so I helped him find his first internship. Did y'all meet Dr. Dan? Dr. Dan Schaefer? We watched a few of the episodes that you did with him. So Dr. Dan Schaefer and I got him his first internship. And then when he was applying to his first full-time out of grad school role, I helped him and coached him with interviewing strategies and things like that to get in his first role. And he soared. I mean, this guy, I told him, I'm like, you're mentoring me now. Like, I'm done. I can go. (laughs) I can go (laughs) relax. He is the quintessential mentee. I mean, he's amazing. And seeing how far he's come in 10 years and where he is, or 10 plus years, it's probably like 15 years now, where he is now, he's just phenomenal. He's doing amazing, amazing work. And those two in different aspects of my career have been 
so rewarding because I get a kick out of people getting a job. Like it's almost like a little high for me. So every time I'm the person who connects to people and it works out and they get paid well and they do well, like it's a little party. I have a little party in my head, sometimes out of my head, sometimes it's some champagne. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so rewarding. Like I love that matchmaking process so much, but those two stand out the most. What do you think are some of the elements that people don't know about breaking their way into cybersecurity or even working in cybersecurity? I would imagine, I could only speak for myself, but I would imagine for some, you know, there's this constant learning element where you, like, if you join this industry, you get to learn all the time. But I don't think that's really advertised too much. What are some of the unadvertised elements of this industry that you think is worth talking about and telling others on your content or things that you would like others to know about it? I think you make such a good point, Ron, that that is one of the areas like the constant learning, like people may not, and that could be a positive and a negative. (laughs) So, (laughs) right. Because if people feel like I am not the type of person that can just jump into something and learn it, or they give me a book, maybe not as much books nowadays, but say, Hey, go Google this or go figure this out. And if you're not that type of person that has to be constantly doing that, this may not be the right feel for you or fit for you. But that is an area that I think folks don't talk about it as much as some of the other things. I think that people from the outside looking in, they think security is one thing. And immediately due to the media and everything else, it's just hacking, coding. You know, they just think it's this one narrow field. Mm -hmm. Whereas I say all the time, medical field, like you can be anything. You don't have to be a dentist or a doctor, right? That's not every job isn't that one thing. And then even within those jobs, there's a multitude of different variations of those roles. And so I think that security, it would be great to kind of show what a person in security is doing in comparison to another job. So maybe related to something else. I think if we had more of that, then people who are just interested in getting into the industry would say, oh, this is similar to firefighting. This is similar to incident response and security might be similar to incident response when, you know, triage and a medical and a hospital, you know, like these various things where you're relating it to something that they may already know. I think that we haven't really done a great job of doing that. So with all of the experience that you've had, we talk about, is there a skills gap? Is there not a skills gap? People are looking for jobs. Obviously, there's a mismatch that happens with sometimes with the recruiters, sometimes the internal recruiters for organizations. They're really just trying to fill many roles, not just the role in cybersecurity. So sometimes they get a bad rap. There's someone listening right now and they're frustrated. They're either frustrated because they're trying to break into cybersecurity and they're having a hard time doing it or they're trying to go to that next role, they're trying to get that promotion up to that next level, or maybe they're just trying to change things altogether. What is that piece of advice that you would have for the people that are looking for the jobs, that are looking to take that next step on their journey? I know there's a lot of frustration out there right now, especially with folks trying to break in. I mean, I get LinkedIn messages daily where people have said, I've been trying, I've applied to hundreds of jobs, The first piece of advice that I would tell them to do is listen to the Breaking Into Cybersecurity podcast. (laughs) But in the second one I would tell them to do is 
to pick up one of the cybersecurity organizations, nonprofit organizations, and join it and connect with people who are already in the field. And I think that's one of the easier ways to do it because I know some people have a challenge when it comes to when, when we say networking, folks don't fully understand what that means. Trying to make friends on LinkedIn could be kind of weird if you're brand spanking new and you don't know anybody. But if you're a college student, if you are someone just out there, you're looking to understand what's happening in the field, join one of the myriad of cybersecurity nonprofit organizations and learn about what security really is. And I think that's a good place to start to understand really what security is, because I think on that, from the outside looking in, I mean, I was a person doing recruiting from the outside looking in, super confused. Like I had no idea what any of this meant. So I think that's probably the easiest first step for most people is to do that. That would be my biggest piece of advice. And do not give up until you start speaking to multiple people in security that are actually in various jobs. So don't only go to a bunch of GRC folks and ask them and not ask architects. Getting into one of those organizations, I think, is the best way to kind of diversify your network of cybersecurity professionals so you start to kind of understand what these roles are and the people who are doing those roles, how they feel about doing the role, the pros and cons of various roles, and seeing kind of where you as an individual would be able to fit in. So that would be my piece of advice. Love it. Do your research, talk to people, really get a lay of the land and keep moving forward. Renee, this is absolutely a treat for us to have a conversation with you on the podcast. Long time overdue. But for the folks out there that want to stay up to date with you, the content that you're creating and everything that you're contributing to this world of cybersecurity, what are the best ways for people to do that? Easiest way is to just connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I am most of the time or any other platforms. Or I am on other platforms, but I don't check them nearly as much as LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, I'm Renee Brown Small on LinkedIn. If you Google me, I pop up pretty quickly, Renee Small Cybersecurity. That's what my 10-year-old son told me. So, <laughs> so, so here I am, but definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you have questions you want to break in, I usually, if I can't help, I point people in all different directions. And I'm happy to continue to do so and hopefully grow more talent in this industry. Love it. I would highly recommend everyone to check out Renee, watch some of her content, whether it be the podcast or the live stream or the book. Renee, always a pleasure. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee.